Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by 3M, PPG, and Breakthrough Academy. Welcome to the Women in Paint podcast. I'm your host, Michael Cheney, the owner of No Drip Painting, where we are changing lives through paint. And I've got Magda Thap Thaxton on with me. She is a general manager at PPG. And Magda, I mean, I have to ask, do you like Beyonce? Because I did see you over there bopping your head a little bit. I was 100% dancing over here. We have not, my daughters and I have not gone to see the Renaissance uh, concert film yet, but it's on the list for this uh for December so I can't wait oh I'm jealous um okay so let's just dive right in here I got to see you present at the women in paint event in Nashville it was amazing we had uh, a beautiful collection of women come together you were one of them and I have to tell you um my team I brought about six six uh ladies from my team and when we were leaving in the airport uh, we were kind of talking about some of the presentations. And uh, one of the girls says, hey, that Magna man, she's a badass. Uh, so I just want to tell you, that was the impression. Uh, I loved the the feedback. And um, so I just want to toss that out there to you. Um, and, you know, when you presented, you know, the thing, one of the things that was so touching to me was you talked about moving to the United States. And I wanted to see if you'd be willing to share that story and kind of what obstacles that presented to you and how you've gotten to where you are now. Yeah, um, I, it's, it was a fantastic opportunity. So I was born and raised in Poland and due to some family circumstances, uh, we had to move to the States. Uh, my mom needed a little bit of help from um, her siblings. My dad passed. So she's like, hey, let's go to let's go to the United States and let's go to Florida. And let me just tell you, Growing up in Eastern Europe, especially Poland, someone tells you you're going to Florida. One, all you picture is palm trees and Disney World, especially since I was uh, in my high school age at the time. So we had the opportunity. I come to Florida. I don't speak a word of English. Well, I could count to 10, say dog, cat, house, you know, the basics. Uh, that's about it. So, uh, but it was still Florida, sunny, beautiful. I, I was just uh, upset. So uh, after about a month in the summer here, she says, all right, how do you like, America. And I'm like, this is heaven. She's like, do you want to go back to Poland? I'm like, absolutely not. What do you mean? Um, so enrolled me in school. And it's always one of my stories because my mom and I coming from Europe, uh, brands are really big. I always tell yeah. that story, but Adidas is like the thing. So my mom worked at a factory in Florida. We were barely making ends meet. And um, she's like, you know what? I'm just going to like invest in you. We're going to buy you an Adidas outfit. You get to go on that yellow school bus we've only seen in movies before. Like, this is going to be, this is going to be our moment. Again, uh, figuring out how to get to a school bus, what a school bus schedule is and register for school was a whole nother thing for two people that don't speak English, but we asked for a lot of help and we got that. Uh, so I remember that first day on the bus stop uh, pulling up and uh, me wearing my Adidas sports bra and shorts and uh, the bus driver not letting me on that school bus. <laughs> uh, 
a little bit of different standards and requirements. Uh, so we were very perplexed. I was like, come on, Adidas, y'all, Adidas. <laughs> no, sweetheart. Uh, so fast forward later, once I figured out what dress code was, um, and I started attending school. And again, sat in classrooms in Florida with English as a second language group. Um, and all, I would say 85% of them spoke Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which is fantastic. The problem is that is nothing like Polish, which is all I could speak. So I was handed a little translator calculator, if you've ever seen those, uh, where you put an English word and pops out a Polish word and try to make my way through. But honestly, watched a lot of TV shows and tried to make yeah. friends with everyone and slowly developed the language, eventually put myself in speech and debate because uh, I was like, you know, I got to just try to talk more. Um I won a lot of debates, probably because no one had any idea what I was saying, uh, but but eventually learned language and just have had the best experience, really welcoming community. I'll tell you one thing about, I think people in the States versus people um, in my country, which was Poland, uh, just the welcoming and people mm. wanting to help uh, was really just, it took me back and really made me fall in love with where I was. So even when I had opportunities to go back, um, I just loved it here. So Grew up around Florida. Then uh, my career moved me to Atlanta, Georgia, which is where I live now. And uh, and still speak Polish to my kids. I've got three kids and nice. uh, they used to answer in Polish. But hey, uh, <laughs> they, they do understand everything I say. So we keep it around. That's awesome. Um, you know, I, since we're kind of on this top of a topic of language. So my mom was an ESL teacher. She's at, retired now, but she was an ESL teacher. And because of that, I got to experience just the coolest things because she was very involved in her with her, with her students and the students' parents. So everything from attending Buddhist temples, uh, because of her, her kids, uh, who, you know, were from, um, uh, you know, uh, Cambodia and, and then she had, she's had kids from all over, a lot of kids from Ukraine, and of course, a lot of Spanish speaking kids. Um, but, you know, the industry we're in, there are a lot of Spanish speakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I have people on my team that don't uh, really speak English, and uh, that presents different challenges for them. And, and we've adapted to that, and we do really cool things in my business. We, we teach English classes and all of that. But since you are someone who has experienced that firsthand, coming to a country, not speaking the language, uh, what what is that like? I mean, how is that? How difficult is that to adapt? And my reason for asking this is because you know we've got folks in our industry that don't speak our language, and what can we do to be so sensitive to that and and help kind of bridge the gap? Yeah, and I think the amazing thing is how far technology has come. Right, we have so many different tools, but it's not perfect. Um, I'll tell you, I manage the Puerto Rico market, which is. Obviously, the main language is Spanish. Um, I've tried Polish, and it did not help uh, when we attempted to communicate. But I think it's just finding out different platforms to help and different ways to communicate. So let's say we're not understanding each other saying, I'm saying something, you don't understand it. They're saying something, and you don't understand it. What other ways? And I, you know, I always say, uh, one, leverage technology. So the amount of apps now that are available will we'll, we'll do the translation is fantastic. When you're doing things virtually, uh, which mm-hmm. all in some cases you are, some aren't, but most of the platforms now offer subtitles in a different language. So for all of my training courses, we've leveraged that. And my team say, well, you know, it's about 80% accurate and the 20% we can mm-hmm. figure out. So there are 
uh, things where you just speak to the phone and the phone translates it back, where you do the subtitles in a different language, which is very helpful. But a lot of the times it's it's the physical uh, part of it, of how you're communicating and using your whole body to communicate is very helpful. Uh, because if just, just using the language, if that's not making sense, combining some of the words they or you understand with the physical uh, motions is beyond helpful. And then for people that are trying to learn the language, I always say, try to push yourself and put yourself in situations where you, you're forced to communicate because right. that's really the only way to do it. So I mentioned, I put myself in speech and debate and all this stuff, uh, but it just, it forced me to do it. And I know this isn't ideal, but honestly, watching TV um, in different shows and even including the subtitles and then take the subtitles away and rewatch the same show. Uh, it's amazing. I swear Saved by the Bell taught me 70% <laughs> of my English. So between all those different platforms, uh, there's a way to do it. And obviously, if people are trying to learn, I love that you offer the courses. I didn't tell you this, but um, when I came back from, because you mentioned that at the PCA meeting, yeah. when we came back, I mentioned that to the company and we sponsor Rosetta Stone for everyone. So if you want Rosetta Stone, it's covered by our company. Oh. But I feel like it covers a portion, but it's probably not as engaging as in-person courses. So it's something that we are uh, going to start offering in our Puerto Rico market because a lot of our oh, okay. content we push from Pittsburgh, it's still in English. Uh, so, and a lot of our teams might want to get promoted and move to Pittsburgh or different yeah. states. So we're actually going to start those in 2024, uh, some in-person uh, English uh, classes in Puerto Rico. So thank uh -huh. you for the idea. Oh, nice. That's so awesome. That's so cool. Um, well, speaking of when when we were in Nashville together, uh, what you were speaking about was personal branding. So mm -hmm. you're from the sales world. You've got all these sales folks reporting to you. What, uh, what What's kind of a starting place for personal branding? Where can someone like me or someone in the painting industry, where do we start with developing our personal branding? And really, what does that mean? Yeah, I think the first part is figuring out and really taking a piece of paper and say, what would I describe myself as? Like, like what what do I want to be known for? Uh, what is my thing? Like, what makes me, Magda, me? Like, if and how would I describe me? And then the other part, and I think it's even more important, is asking your, your close group of people to say, how do you perceive me? Like, if you, someone said, describe me what like how would you describe me so uh and combine those two and see if those are the same you're like oh i'm being perceived the same way people um the the way i think or maybe i'm being perceived very differently so when i did this exercise initially um i said you know i really like positivity i'm very passionate enthusiastic like it's just like my thing i try you know i try to lead with positivity i like to make things happen i want to be the one where People hand me something and I can find a solution and I won't stop until I do. And then I also want to be known for being a coach. Like I really want to build yeah. strong teams and be a coach. So those are my things. Um, so then I went and asked my team and they said it and some things matched up, but some didn't. They're like, well, you're just very tenacious. And, and they mentioned like skills around negotiations and uh, and analytics. And I'm like, I never thought of myself as an, as much of an analytical person, but you're right. I do thrive. Like that does bring me joy. You know, I love me some Excel and finding data, but I've never used that to describe myself. So then you take a moment and say, all right, based on what they said, and what I think, what do I want to be known for? And then start living that really trying yeah. to present that to everyone. 
so if you want to be known as that analytical data-driven uh, solution person, right? If you are, um, you know, a painting contractor, do you want to be the one that comes out with the creative ideas? Do you want to be the one they call in where they really have issues that they know no one, you know, uh, not everyone can figure out. This is a complex problem. I, you know, if things are hard, they call me because I'm the one that they're going to go to. Like, what do you want to be known for? Or maybe you're the big community partner. You know, I partner mm-hmm. with the contractor because it's a huge part of my community. Are you doing everything to do that? So it's, what do you want to be known for? And what are you doing to validate that that's what you should be known for? And as soon as you start living that, and it's it's what you align with, I think mm-hmm. what people sometimes fail at is, I want to be known for this, this, and this, but that's not who they are. So you're living something that's not what you are. That never works. So yeah. really, it's key. What are you? What drives you outside of what you do, right? Like, yes, I like selling paint, but that's not my number one thing, right? That's not... I've sold appliances before this. Like, it's about... For me, it's about something different than the product. Yeah. Um, and I think once you identify what drives you and live that, people will follow. And that energy is infectious. And that brain yeah. coming through. So I think it's beyond important. Yeah, no, I love how you framed all that out. Yeah, the other thing that is you're saying this, what I'm thinking is when when you, when you lean into that, right. When you, when you determine uh, what that looks like for you, that's also when you attract your people, right. Mm -hmm. That's when, uh, you know, you say, you know, this is who I am. This is who I stand for. And that's, that's where, you know, I think the magic happens and you get to surround yourself with the like-minded people. Um, So identifying that first, it sounds like the first step. And then once you identify that, uh, what do we do with it? You know, uh, how how do you promote your brand? What does that look like for you? And then what could that look like for maybe a, a painting contractor that's just getting started? Yeah, so I think once you have it, um, it's living it, right? So am I living the brand that I said I am? And it's in multiple ways. It's not just your behavior, but as you're thinking about it, think of your professional website. Does your website reflect what your brand is, whether it's your business brand or your personal brand. And those could be the same or they could be different, right? Your personal brand doesn't have to be identical to your business brand. It can support it. They should have something in common probably, but they don't have to be identical. Um, So it's updating all the ways that you present yourself to, um, to others. So whether it's the way you, even the way you dress, right? That's part of how you're perceived. Um, the way your website is, the way your business cards are, the way your LinkedIn and social media profiles are reflected and the content you're sharing with others. So depending on what platforms you utilize, are those platforms reflecting your personal brand? So for example, for me, right, super, you know, uh, driven by, you know, enthusiastic, solution focused, you'll notice anytime I communicate with people, even if it's negative news, like, Everyone's so used to hearing from me. All right, what's our solution? What's our solution? What's actually to close the gap? We have a gap, half a million dollars this month. Okay, great. We have a gap. So that's an opportunity to get into our pocket of good ideas. How are we going to close the gap? What we're doing is not working. What action? What action? No one even calls me at work anymore without having a solution to the problem. Right? I'm like, we're solution focused. That's our number one thing. Action, solution, action, solution. And it's it's part of my brain. Even when people present to me before I present a problem, I'm like, well, we have some actions to present to you, right? So it's just, what is it? And am I living it in every platform that I have? If you go on my LinkedIn profile, you'll see uh, my headline says, make it happen. And you go on my Instagram profile. That's kind of my tagline, yeah. like, make it happen. So do you, what is that thing that says your message? 
And is it being said everywhere? And are you living it? That's really the only way to uh, to embed it. Okay. No, I, I love what you've got there. So um, I'm going to kind of jump off personal branding for a moment because now you're getting me into some leadership uh, thoughts and questions here. Um, but this idea of come to me with a solution and your team helps find that solution. Build that out for me a little bit. How do you inspire, maybe that's the right word to use, your team to find the solution? Do you have any you know, tips on that? Like that's, you know, that's really a leadership quality. What do you do to get your team to bring the solutions? It sounds like you've coached them well and they know mm-hmm. they need to come with a solution, but how do you get their wheels turning? How do you get them involved? Uh, do you have any thoughts that you can offer on that? Yeah, I think the the biggest part that's helped to me, because some people this instantly clicks. They're like, oh, I love it. I've had all these ideas in my back pocket, but no one ever asked. So you'll get that pocket of people that you're like, wow, why have you never brought this up? And like, well, no one ever asked, right? So that's an interesting bucket of people that sometimes you'll be like, okay, a few less ideas, right? This is great. Uh, but then you have the other bucket that goes like, well, no, I mean, I'm not going to... I'm." I don't have a, like, this is the problem and I need you to give me the solution, right? Mm-hmm. And it's constantly challenging that. With that group of people, what I've identified as the biggest opportunity is having more than just them involved in it. So some mm-hmm. of their um, peers, so do a session or a meeting where it's three or four, however many we can get, and we're all trying to find a solution and allow, put in some of those stronger ones to start presenting their ideas and you'll suddenly notice, okay, that's what she means when she means solution, or that's what is needed. This is what it looks like. And the peer-to-peer seems to be the most beneficial. Um, mm-hmm. So they see someone else speak up. So a lot of times we'll do a session and I'll say, all right, let's all think through one to two ideas of how we're going to correct this. I let them volunteer who wants to go first. You'll get the ones that do have some ideas. And then it kind of starts lighting that fire of one, it's part of it is that competitive spirit. Well, mm-hmm. I'm not going to that has nothing. But two, it's, oh, okay, now I know what the ideas are, and it just gets them moving. So the peer-to-peer is very important. But I think you'd still be shocked by how many people just don't speak up, because they're not the ones to typically speak up. And if you don't ask them, it's amazing how much great ideas just go on, because not everyone has the personality to jump out and just tell you everything they're thinking. Right. Very good. So when you're kind of coming up with these solutions, um, I'm sure at some point you have to hold people accountable. Um, what yeah. does that look like for you? And I'm, you know, keeping in mind that I'm sure PPG has some guidelines and things and ways that they want you to do things. But how, how, what's, what's kind of some tips, techniques on how to hold people accountable without putting their fire up? Uh, I'll tell you, that's probably the hardest part. So now that we've gotten even in my team where the culture is very focused on action and how are we going to close the gap, we've gotten extremely good at coming up with a list of this is everything we're going to do and this will work. Um, But I'll tell you, there's been many months where we get to the end of the month, we had all these ideas and we didn't do it. Like we didn't get to whatever our target was, whether it was behavioral metrics or sales metrics, whatever it was. And then it's what happened, right? And well, we've tried different things. We've done the postmortem where, okay, the month is over. We didn't do it. Let's go through each one of these. What didn't work? But what we realized when you do it at the very end, it's not very actionable. Yeah, it helps. It comes up again. But it, we learned somewhat. It didn't help a ton. So moving forward, what we did is doing very regular check-ins and very quick celebrations 
and also celebrating losses. Mm. So saying, hey, this we did this pro show and this thing tanked. Two people showed up and we had one of those. We said, all right, well, let's, what are all the reasons we think? And we listed and we're like, all right, we learned that. We are never, we send it to everyone. It's like, we had a loss that we're going to celebrate because we're never going to do this again. We're never going to do it that way again. We're going to move on. But getting those quick wins and then when we had a win, immediately celebrating it and yeah. sharing it with everyone. So it's sharing and celebrating in real life rather than waiting for the cycle to end was very helpful. And we celebrate big and fun. And then when we have losses, we also make it a thing. So um, it's creating more accountability because we don't just commit and not talk about it again. It's constant. It's where you go. And every week at minimum, we check in on what our actions are and then celebrate um, a lot more. Celebrate both. Like I said, we celebrate wins and losses yeah. uh, because you learn from every single loss. And uh, we had some pro shows this week and they were fantastic. So because uh, we learned from a few of those terrible, terrible ones. So um, I think it's just that real life check in is important. I like it. I like it. Um, I want to circle back to something that you said. You said this before we started um, the recording. You said it again. So I, I got to talk about it is that part of your brand is being positive. And I think in this world we're in today, uh, positivity is huge. Mindset is huge. Um, and so it sounds like you're someone that might not just see the glass half full, but you actually see the glass, right? Um, where did that come from? How is that part of who you are and, and ultimately becoming part of your brand? Where does this positive outlook come from? I think part of it um, is cultural. I came from, um, and I'll tell you, historically, people of the Polish culture are the opposite. They're very, you know, I won the lottery. The answer is, oh, I have to pay taxes on it. Oh, I got this. Like you see the negative and everything. And uh, I was kind of raised with a group that was, you know, um, especially my mom, very, everything was always negative and it was so draining. Yeah. So I felt like I had to balance it out personally. And I was like, you know what, you see this way, I'm going to go here. And then what I realized, like it was bringing her, her energy up and it was bringing my energy up. So it's something I carried through all my roles because a lot of, there's so much negativity. You can always yeah. see the negative, right? This isn't happening. This didn't come out the way I thought this person didn't show up to work today or they're doing half of what they're telling me they're doing. Like there's always negatives. Um, but just looking at the negative never got me anywhere. Like just seeing the negative, confirming the negative, like it never got me any results. But I notice if I just say, all right, well, this is what we're going to learn from it. And this is how like the benefit of what we just learned and the impact it can make long-term and just turning it positive. One, it energizes. It's truly a natural, yeah. it's my natural caffeine. Um, because it kind of fires me up how to find the positive in this, turn it into a positive and learn and move ahead and make an impact into the future. So for me, uh, it's my coffee, um, but it does bring me energy. But part of it was, I felt like the negativity was so heavy, someone had to balance it out. And, um, and it just created a better culture. I can feel my team uh, is adopting it a lot. And they're just, you know, makes coming to work a lot more fun. When you sure. have that outlook versus the everything's doom and gloom when you sure. can't do anything about it. So it sounds like it's a choice that you've made and you probably keep making that same choice all the time. Um, let's talk PPG for a minute. Um, yeah. Let's talk about some of the resources that PPG offers uh, contractors like myself. 
Um, and you know, a lot of folks that are following us on the women in paint Facebook page, and even those that were at the event, some of them are just getting started. So if people are new to the game, new to this crazy industry, we've decided to join. Um, what are some things that uh, newly paint, newly new, new painting contractors could look forward to, uh, with PPG? Yes. So PPG, um, is a coding champion is what I call them, right? They coat anything you are touching probably even right now, right? We are on, uh, it's the largest coding company in the world in any car, your iPhone, your golf ball, right? It, it touches everything. So their specialty is creating extraordinary coatings with a ton of technology in them. Um, they're not really a big marketing company. So you probably won't typically go anywhere and see big PPG ads or anything else there. We are the first day at my first day at PPG started inside of a lab. And I was just verifying that I accepted the right job because I was like, y'all, I should not be mixing anything, but that's who they are. It's the core is like chemistry and products. And the reason I say that is it's leverage your rep. So you should have a rep that helps support your business. Leverage them to be your product specialist. You're the expert at application and the whole business and the program for your customer, we're the expert on the actual product and the chemistry of the product and what would work and bring you the right solutions. So love, and that's part of it. Part is color. We're there to help with mm -hmm. color. And we have huge teams that are color specialists. And we, as a paint company, offer a lot of resources. So from us going to your job sites and helping you come up with what is the right product, you might have a customer that came to you and says, hey, I have this issue. And you're like, I think I could fix it with this. But bring our rep out. Our reps, 10 years on average, are very high. We have very tenured sales mm. force. They've seen it all. They've done it all. They will write out a perfect spec of this is what I believe could help you. They can give you a range of price ranges too. All right. If we want to go premium on this, if we need to do this, we can go here. They can help you with warranties. So we offer warranties on um, product and even labor. So if you're doing a project, you're like this customer, if I offered some warranty, I could partner with PPG to offer that. So for warranties, for helping you spec the product, uh, color services are really nice. So if you have a customer that's looking for certain renderings or just ideas, we have color consultants that will uh, provide that feedback um, that you don't have to worry about and send your resources out to. So we'll provide you renderings, color services, specs. And then for your, uh, for your employees, some trainings. I know a lot of times uh, you can find painters but picking up a paintbrush does not make a painter, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times uh, you'll get that. It's like, well, I've painted my house before so I can be a painter for you. That's great. It takes a lot more to be a commercial painter. So we have great training courses that we can do hands-on training for your people. You're probably a lot uh, heavily focused on the business side, the safety side of your business. So if you want us to just train them on the basics of application, tips and tricks, we have courses that we can do right in your market. We can do it at one of our facilities. We can do it at yours um, and, and just educate them for you. Uh, the benefit to us is, right, we get to show them our product and why we believe it's great. And the benefit for you is you have people with 20 plus year experience helping train your people while you're focused on growing your business. That's right. And I know you've just scratched the surface on on all the things that you guys do, but here's what I'll tell you. Uh, one of my experiences with PPG, a great experience, is that um, we went into a PPG location here in Columbus, Ohio, and they did a full training on products for us in Spanish, uh, which was amazing because, uh, you know, a lot of my folks, uh, especially at that time, only spoke Spanish. 
And um, it kind of helps, you know, it, bridge, it bridges that gap. It gets the information to our team. And it also creates a connection, you know, source because, um, you know, I'm able to, to service my team and get them the information in Spanish. Um, so PPG has been essential for us and things like that. Um, now, I told you that this time was going to go fast and our time is almost up. Uh, so I got one last question for you. And uh, this is a question I ask everybody. And it's so uh, insightful and helpful, I think, for people to hear. So the question is this. So what do you do? What does Magna do for herself um, to take care of you know yourself, to make sure that you can show up for your team every day and be the positive person that you are. Uh, what are some things you do to take care of yourself so that you can show up and inspire your team every day? So I'm very passionate. So outside of work, my big passions are events, decorating, mm-hmm. uh, themed parties, all those things. So I've got three kids uh, and we put together a lot of little things together. So whether it's this week, we had a gingerbread house decorating contest that I coordinated at my house. So for some people that might give them anxiety and they're like, I can't believe you want to do this. For me, I swear there's nothing more exciting and just joyous. I just love putting things together. So uh, I mentioned to you, Christmas is a big holiday for me. I have a lot of events scheduled all throughout that brings me so much joy. Uh, and uh, so that combined with just time with my kids and family, and I'm very yeah. strict on my boundaries of when I'm available, when I'm not. And it's never been an issue. I think sometimes as women, we're very concerned to set certain boundaries of when I'm available, when I'm not, because someone might frown upon it. Honestly, people respect it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my team's always been very supportive of it. So my daughters and I have our Gilmore Girl hours and uh, we're we're rewatching the Gilmore Girl season every fall season. Uh, So it's just been, and then my son and I have our basketball tournament. So just having set time with my family is a big one for me. And then throwing a nice party uh, is always good. So if anyone in the Atlanta area, uh, you know, you reach out to me. I've always got something going on. Hey, don't say that. I might have to take a trip to Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Magna, thank you for joining me today. Before we wrap up another episode of Women in Paint, a few reminders, follow us on our Facebook page, Women in Paint. We've also got the PCA Expo coming up at the end of February. Magna, are you going? I know PPG will be there, but will you be attending the Expo I will be there. Yeah. Good deal. Um, well, I will plan on seeing you then. Yeah. Um, until then, we've got another episode in the books. And Magna, once again, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.